1: Hey everybody, and uh, welcome back to the Kodiak Shack podcast. Uh, today, I was able to chat with Brian Stream from Vermeer, which uh, I'll be honest, we uh, I'm recording this after the recording and he blew my mind today. The technology that's out there is amazing. Uh, Brian is the uh, founder and CEO of Vermeer, uh which is a uh, VR, XR, AR, uh, ISR, Information Surveillance and Reconnaissance, drones and uh, overall innovation uh, company. Uh, so that is being a part or being brought on board uh, to work with the uh, ABMS or air battle management systems uh, of the future. So some pretty cool tech there. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the show, uh, super exciting stuff. I was, uh, I was very happy uh, to get a chat with him, uh, but please always like, subscribe, and uh, share the show and then uh, please donate donations are uh, available in the show notes and we appreciate our listeners uh, cause you have been amazing and we appreciate everybody that has donated. So Brian, I appreciate you being here and uh, what were you working on specifically in the um, uh, Hollywood sector with cameras and everything?
0: Yeah, sure. So I guess I have, um, I've always been very kind of interested in um, I know it sounds a little kind of uh, niche, but I've always been very interested by like the movement of cameras through space, um, uh, and that's like what a movie is. A movie is like someone's like usually moving a camera to kind of like film a scene, uh, and like you know there are you know shots in movies like you know in Goodfellas, like going you know that long, these long takes going through the Copa like when you see like a long shot in a movie, like the cameras moving, you like are like or in, in Birdman or you know, with like one long unbroken shot, like that's always very sexy and appealing to me. So I've always been very interested in kind of like, how do you like do that um, efficiently and easily? Um, and um, I ended up building, so be, be, before this company that I'm building now, Vermeer, we had a, I had another company that we did drone cinematography. So I was probably the largest company in the world doing Hollywood drone cinematography because the drone was a very good way to kind of move a camera. Any he heard about like the drone. I was always more interested about like moving that camera sensor through space. Like that was like, I I'm not like an aviation person. I'm like a camera nerd. Um, I was, so I don't really care about the drone. I care about like, what is the camera looking at and how do we get the camera to that location? Um, so I kind of, so I started to build in 2017. I put on like, um, uh you know ar goggles for the first time and i thought oh this is how we should be moving the drones through space through like this like augmented reality interface so i started to kind of uh pivot away from doing it as a service and started to build this very exotic software where i could kind of pre-visualize my drone missions do this kind of like god's eye view so it's essentially like you put on goggles You see like a 3D, like a Google Earth 3D holographic map of an area. And then you kind of direct the camera in this like virtual world on what you want the camera to see. So, you know, a lot of people thought this was like very crazy. It was very science fiction. It was very like Minority Report, um, which is like a movie I like, you know, a movie I love. And like all the stuff that like I've seen in like sci-fi movies, what happened was then we got selected to be at this Techstars program. And, as I spoke to, and I just assumed the government had a crashed u f o that they were reverse engineering, and they had all and quite frankly they had all of this stuff um as I started to meet people, uh I'm like, oh, they don't have any of this really cool stuff, so we should build it for them uh was kind of like the you know and it just so happens that you know I'm a been a big fan of like sci fi Hollywood military technology and so is people so are people in the military and they're also asking themselves how come we don't have any of this cool stuff so that was kind of my thing i'm like okay well we should we should try to build all this stuff for them because um who doesn't who doesn't want this um so that was kind of my you know my little bit of my journey um and then you know as i started to work with the customers i you know I asked I spoke to a lot of people. I asked them like what their problems were and I kind of like learned that um you know that oh they don't want to do it with one drone, they want to do it with a swarm of drones. Oh, and those drones need to be we want to find people holding guns or we need we want the drones to autonomously do this or autonomously find particular license plates. Um I also found out that like a feature of this like AR VR drone mission planning tool that we were building which were like this like, kind of um, GPS-denied capability, That that's everyone started to talk to me about GPS-denied. So I kind of realized that through talking to people, and I probably spoke to 2,000 people over 12 months, I kind of like learned that this feature of the product, that might be its own product, because so many people want this GPS. And I, coming from the commercial world, I had no idea the GPS-denied, GPS-spoofed uh, was such an issue. Um, so I kind of started with like a problem I commercial customers had, and then I just listened more to like my defense customers to kind of like continue to build these products.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what, uh, I, I assume this happens kind of everywhere, but specifically in warfare, you think every, every technological advantage has a counter tactic, so you have one of those situations where we have dumb bombs, which are unguided bombs, uh, and then those unguided bombs uh, are not accurate. And then we now get GPS-guided bombs. So now the bomb has a GPS kit on it. It's going to guide it to its target. And then the enemy's like, well, I'm just going to take away your bomb's ability to gain GPS. So now we have a tactic, and then we have a counter-tactic, and then we have a counter counter tactic. And this just goes round and round for decades and decades. So it makes sense why, you know, Hey, swarm technology becomes available and they say, well, we're just going to knock out your ability to either communicate with that swarm or have the the swarm communicate with GPS. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope that is, uh, that becomes a reality because there's, there are a lot of problems when you're talking about having the ability for air superiority, air supremacy. Uh, and some of that is, what degradation or contested degraded operations the enemy can uh, can throw at.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think like um, the p- p- uh, p- so there's a lot of tech, like the DoD has a lot of technology is what I've learned but I it seems like they're doing a lot of new versions of the same old thing um, which is like kind of like you know, M-Code or something like, you know, M-Code is like a Their AP and TGPS thing, which is it seems like they're trying to come up with um, more encryption-proof versions of it. But like, it seems like really hard to have a radical um, kind of breakthrough. So a lot of the stuff that my company is doing, we're doing like computer vision-aided stuff.
1: I think there's there's two aspects to that. One is every single military member you have, I guess not every, but the vast majority. The, to innovate, to work in a think tank, all of those are secondary jobs. You know, None of them are, hey, you are hired to think outside the box and, and learn new ways or, or figure out a way to do this thing with a wildly different technology, like you said. We're not using GPS anymore. We're using some different tech that didn't exist before. Um, so we don't just need to bolster GPS. We just need to change the entire like way we a- approach this. So that's why I think it's wonderful that our military members reach out to people like yourself who literally it sounds like, especially working in Hollywood, that's, that's your everyday. is, how do we make something that hasn't happened before happen? Because this is what we're trying, you know, we're trying to achieve that visual uh, like amazement of the audience because we did something that hadn't been done before. Uh, So I think it's, that's why I love the innovation space because it is leveraging people like yourself with the smarts and areas that I never even knew existed. That to to make the next fight more feasible and winnable
0: yeah, I mean I, certainly a lot of people don't even understand um like the art of possible um you know like that's been my like like uh it would it would like it, it has blown a lot of people's minds in the defense space that they had like oh like you have no idea that such a thing were even possible um and I guess I also kind of like want to like like you know we could like rag on uh the DOD and like their slow, pro- but like the fact of the matter is, like, pe- people at the Air Force, like AFWORKS, I mean, they are dramatically changing. I mean, like, there is prog, I mean, I am a fruit of those labors, uh, and my company, like, w- without them and like kind of what they've dedicated and without and the resources they put behind it, like, I never would have got into the space and never would have figured it out. So, they are making an impact. Um, this stuff takes a long time, too. It's a it's a uh, it's a, it it's a grind um you know it's a grind for me and I shouldn't even be shouldn't even be complaining um you know i well, we've been fairly successful very successful in you know 2 to 3 years of working with the DOD but i still i you know i like to complain uh but like there's people who haven't been and they're complaining too but like uh it's a, it's a grind but there are people who are like passionate about kind of getting this innovation stuff i mean to, to work. I mean, the, 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 I think I kind of stress this to everyone who asked me, like, how do you uh, do this stuff is like, you really need to, uh, you need to ask a lot of people, if you solve a problem big enough that everyone is having, people should be dying to want to give you their money, you know, like, uh, like, so you just need to kind of like find a problem that's big enough, that's worth solving, and you don't have to sell anything, you just need to kind of find the right person who could like sign the check. Um, And that onto itself is like a complicated process within the DOD, like the acquisition, like getting something on contract, you need a program of record, you need an acquisition vehicle, you need a requirement, you need like these like trifecta of things to come together to make it work. But um, it becomes way easier if you're actually solving a problem that people really, really have. And um, that's that's a requirement.
1: And I think some of that is uh, the nature of previous, and we've talked to this a lot of times on the podcast, but the nature of previous acquisitions was very cumbersome because it was built in the 80s. Uh, and so it didn't take into account all the technological advantage we have now today and onboarding things was was not as common. Uh, so now in this very dynamic world of onboarding and acquisitions, it just, it doesn't fit. Uh, but I agree. I mean, the bigger problem you solve the more people are gonna be on board. Uh, it's just how to, bring, how to onboard people like that. One thing was, uh, we kind of talked uh, before we uh, started recording, but the, uh, the authority to operate. So obviously you're building uh, some software, obviously with these VR and XR um, uh, programs. So how, how have you seen just kind of getting your um, software and hardware used and utilized? Has that been an issue to get the authority to operate?
0: So the author, so the authority to operate um so this this term can you just like describe more like what uh, we, like what does that mean exactly i'm just i I've heard of it but I'm not hundred percent sure and
1: and maybe you haven't had to deal with it just yet, but a lot of times what ends up happening is if someone has software or hardware that wants to get on the military network or be in a classified space, you have to be approved to actually access
0: yeah, so we have had to do this I am not. I kind of gave this to someone else at my company to deal with. So I'm actually nice. not, uh, I just said like, get, so I'm actually not a hundred percent sure what we had to do, but yeah. yeah, there's, I mean, listen, there are certainly challenges working with the DOD. I mean, we have to like, we, we, there's three people on my company that have TS clearances. I'm trying to get a TS clearance right now. we going to, we're going to need to get um, uh, a cleared, fa- what is it? A cleared facility. Um, uh, 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 we're gonna have to firewall our stuff. We're gonna have to make you know, like, the, like there are certainly procedures that, like, we've had, to, we've had to go. I think we've had to go through this with some of our contracts, uh, the authority to operate stuff. I'm just like not familiar with exactly what we had to do, but yeah, it's a pain. It's a huge pain in the ass. Um, what? Like, there's that's, no way oh, to man. slice it or dice it. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's exactly the authority to operate. So all of those things, you have to have the okay. clearances. You have to write your code in the correct manner. The hardware has to be certified. So all those hoops, you know, so people wonder like, oh, why is it so difficult to work with the military? And it's understandable. These things are secret. You want to keep them secret. But it's like, wow, you need you need a lot of people uh, on board just working on meeting the, the stipulations and the requirements.
0: Uh, yes, I mean, you... The uh, the fact of the matter is is I like, guess like there's obviously a reason for all that stuff and it's a very good reason for all that stuff, uh, but I I I tend to you know I say this a lot if it's hard for us it's hard for everyone um, you know uh, you know competition is fear like if, but we have to have, you know you have to have tenacity <clears throat> you know these are this is what the requ- and you also have to believe that the pot of gold quite frankly at the end of the rainbow and like the reason for is like big enough to warrant. Um, to warrant, you know, as a, as a small business startup owner, who's raised money and stuff like that. Like I'm also think I'm quite frankly, I'm thinking about like the, you know, responsibility to grow the company and have to be like, all right, well, if we, if we get this secured facility, that's $20,000 a month, so it's a lot of money. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that is what I was quoted recently for like a rented, um <clears throat> rented skiff, it's like okay, is someone going to give me a hundred million dollars if I rent this twenty thousand dollar thing a month? The I, I need to have a reasonable degree of certainty that that is around the corner or will happen. And I also kind of um, so you know, as a small business, you're kind of faced with like the like uh, you know, like you somehow need to like get. It's a pretty good idea to close the deal before spending all the money to get the deal. So like you got to like do. <laughs> You gotta like do yeah. a little bit of both at the same time and but just make sure that if you get that contract that requires those requirements, I think you do have the opportunity to like catch up, but you better be in some place where you've already contacted the vendors and you can already put that stuff in place so you can't oh, you can't be like a disaster. That I mean that's some stuff that we're like currently going through is like having discussions about like how far ahead should we plan for our success. Um, of when like we're required to go to have like a skiff and, and, and things of that nature.
1: And that's, and that's kind of the thing I've seen a lot of companies who have, who want to work on classified programs and, and, and create products in the classified space is that they are, you know, it's pretty much just to start working there. You have to commit all those funds before you end up, uh, losing or, or even before you even get the, uh awarded the contract, so that's kind of tough uh to work there one of the things yeah. uh so yeah. we we've oh go ahead
0: no, I was gonna say you know the other thing that I don't know if people do enough of it like I have like like you don't even need a lot of advice, but you need to have like one advisor who's like really good who's like a retired a re- really legit retired colonel or someone who's like uh fun to work with, really smart cheap. Um, and just lo- loves the game, who's like willing to provide like you insights into like, should I be is it like too early to be renting the skiff? Or can I like, wait, I'm not an expert. in it. I can't be an expert at everything. So you kind of need to make sure you have somebody who's slid- sitting on your Slack channel or your team's channel who you could like, text message quickly and get like some sort of answer to that th- those types of questions.
1: Well, that, and then a lot of those people still have their security clearances from when they were previously in. So now you have one guy or one person who already has a, you know, multi tens of thousands of dollars, uh, sort certif- of uh, clearance that you can easily, you know, use there. So, yeah, there's goodness there. With, uh, so JADC2 or ABMS, whichever, uh, terminology, uh, you'd like to use. So, what do you guys, can if you want to kind of dig into it a little bit or I can explain it. Um can you explain to everyone what that would be ABMS or JADC2?
0: So I have spoken to the program managers of that, and I don't even think they know what it is, quite frankly. I mean, that was quite frankly, that was kind of my impression <laughs> two years two two years ago is like uh it kind of it was kind of like everything you wanted it to be and more. It was some sort of like magic. It was That was like destroy. It was like it was like everything in the kitchen sink. It was, um, it felt like an uh, um, some sort of common. I'll try to distill it down to a simple guy's perspective. It seems to be some sort of common tool to visualize and kind of command and control sensor data, robots, planes, ground vehicles. It seemed like a very large, complicated, um, common operating picture of something of that nature. Um, that may or may not be what it is. That's what I kind of have garnered from it. Um, but I guess, Vader, if you want to explain it to me, if I'm close or not close, that would be helpful from your perspective.
1: Yeah. And so so I'm definitely not an expert on it, but I think you did, you did a very good job of explaining in, in those terms because... Uh, So right now, let's talk about the battle space. The battle space is a combination of single aircraft moving in concert, either two to four ships, so four aircraft, two aircraft working together. And then you have beyond that single aircraft and then those two to four aircraft, you now have the rest of the aircraft fighting together. So these are heavy aircraft. These are fighter aircraft. These are bomber aircraft. These are jammer aircraft. These are... All of those aircraft are all working together. Right now, just like we did, I don't know, 40 years ago, they all communicate via the radio, literally talking on the radio to one another and providing information. There is a data link that is used across a lot of platforms, but right now, the radio is king. And if you have time on the radio, you get to talk. If you don't, you don't. So what JADC2 or ABMS is the same thing, just different acronyms for them, wants to make this massive uh, interconnected link cloud, whatever you want to call it, where they all work together. And instead of sending voice to one another, you can just send messages via link or just a a visual depiction of something, whether it's an airborne asset, uh, whether it's something on the ground, that they can... And then use to cue their sensors or fly to put a bomb on whatever it may be. So all of this, and, and I think this is the problem, because this is what we had problems with in the past, is we go to a prime and we ask for everything, uh, you know, everything in the kitchen sink. And the problem we end up running into is it's probably too big of an ask to do it well. Right. And I right. hope ABMS yeah. is not that way, because what ends up happening is we're going to ask for so much, we're going to ask for so much interconnectivity between fifth gen fourth gen uh the AWACS so the controllers out there we're going to uh, try to integrate of uh, the b52s the c130s you know other countries maybe uh and at some point it's going to be so m- like a, a so m- much of a mountain of a project I, I i'm worried about it but so what what are you kind of working on specifically in that larger group? so
0: so i yeah, so I, I, I think that we kind of have several technologies that are ABMS applicable, depending on which way the ABMS wind blows. Um, so we kind of, so so we have a tool that we call AugNav, where we could essentially, um, it's kind of like a drone swarm for group, you know, uh, one through three, let's just say. So you could essentially see a 3D in virtual reality, you could kind of see like a 3D environment of a location, and then you could essentially like assign areas of interest. So it's kind of like in this area of interest, I want the drone swarm to look for a particular person holding a gun, or I want to look for a particular license plate. I want to look for something. And then when you find it, I want you to notify me dropping munition on it. I want you to do, I want you to do kind of a decision tree. I want you to do this behavior of some sort. So it's kind of like this, like virtual reality or augmented reality way to make a recipe for your swarm mission. Okay. And then once you do it, once, you know, we, we have a very, we're doing a lot of stuff with computer vision, which is essentially trying to recreate how humans navigate. It's like, oh, that's a lamp. Okay. That's a lamp. That's a, you know, a chair. Um, so the cool thing about computer vision is you don't need to emit anything. You could use passive sensors. Um, uh, you know your your eyeballs see something. They tell your brain, I know that's a chair and it's sitting in the corner of the room. You don't need to emit lidar or anything like that. We're just using the photons from the sun that are bouncing off of the chair, hitting the back of my eyeball, going into my brain. So it's great in that it's a it's a universal language. Light. Um, you don't need protocols. You don't need like fa- you don't need fancy communic- Gen One, Gen Two, which is lot- photons of light bouncing around. Um, so what? One of the technologies for our VPS, uh, excuse me, for our kind of mission planning swarm capability is something we call VPS, which is a vision-based navigation system. So the way it works is on board the platform. So let's say it's a, it's a drone or multiple drones or a ground vehicle or even ATAC. We have a version for ATAC. Uh, we compare what the camera is lo- camera on the drone is looking at to so the video feed goes to a little computer that's on board and the little computer is like, you know, the size of like this. Um, the video feed goes to a little computer with our algorithms on it attached to that GPU that little computer is a little hard drive that has a pre-existing 3D map of the environment on it. You could fit an entire map of the Ukraine on a four-terabyte solid state USB key, and that's plugged into the computer. So essentially we're nav where the algorithm is looking at what the full motion video is looking at and comparing it to the existing pre-existing 3D map that's on the hard drive. So when we find the most similar instance of it, we're essentially able to do a map match and tell you the position of the sensor. Um, so the people love this because you don't need GPS. You don't need to emit anything. It's all passive. It you can't be spoofed. It can't be jammed. Um, and the other cool thing is, is that you could look at, uh, targets on the ground and you could identify their position without GPS. Um, so you could say that car is at A B. So We're comparing the picture that the drone is taking or the drones to the full motion to the, you know. The, the car to the map and the map to the video. And that so we could deduce the position of the target just through computer vision without any GPS or SATCOM, Wi-Fi Bluetooth radio, or anything like that. Um, and then the other thing that we're doing is we could now take the, um, all these different sets. So imagine if you have like a swarm, uh, so you have 20, 30 different cameras float floating around a location. Um, That's a lot of bandwidth. That's a lot of pixels to move. Um, So what we're doing is on on the platform itself, at the GPU, we call this uh, uh, on the edge, which is a fancy way of saying like you're doing a lot of computationally complicated stuff next to the camera. Um, We're we're not transmitting all these pixels back to a ground station. What we're doing is we're saying, hey, at XYZ position, there's a car. At ABC position, there's a person. At you know, ZYX position, there's another car. And and what we're doing is we're then just transmitting that little bit of metadata. So, you know, instead of millions of pixels, we're transmitting like these five different numbers, you know, three for location, one for the fact that it's a car. And then we're populating this like 3D map um, in real time. And it's done very quickly. So that pre-existing 3D map that we have that we're getting from satellite images, that's kind of preloaded. So now we can kind of generate this like really cool kind of sensor fused real time 3D movie, like a God's eye view of the environment using nothing but kind of optical cheap off the shelf camera sensors or EO IR camera systems. Um, And the cool thing about it is that we're communicating through vision. So we're not using your any sort of traditional kind of, uh, you know, RF, well, we are using RF, but we're like dramatically, we're reducing the amount of bandwidth by like, you know, 99%, quite frankly. Um, so I guess if you really had to ask me, like, how does this apply to ABMS? I guess my sincere answer is, well, you'd have to ask them. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's uh, like, its you know, they're the ones who selected us for it. Um, and i am I'm still waiting, quite frankly, on some clarity on exactly how they intend to use it. But from what I've heard, there's like enough meat on that bone where it seems like they want to use it for something.
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, so while you were talking, I had a lot of ideas uh, of what that would look like. So say a person sitting in a, a fighter jet like myself or somebody sitting at a mission planning, like a kok which is overseeing the entire war. If that data gets sent back, now we just have, you know, little points with, GPS locations with a triangle on it or a yellow square where it's like, hey, this yellow square could be bad. Triangle's definitely bad. You know, and then now we just have the whole battle space, which, so uh, my background is suppression of enemy air defense. So what that means um, is you fly into enemy territory, have their surface to air sites turn on, and then try to target you. And then you know where they are because they turned on. Uh, and now you have the RF. Moving at you, rather than putting a human out there, you just do that thing across the space, and then whether they turn on or not, you're going to find them. And then now we know the uh, what's called the EOB, the Electronic Order of Battle, and now we know where the the bad guy targets are. And then integrating with fifth gen and fourth gen, where we're able to all know the same information uh, via that cloud. So so the, just, so just
0: just so I'm, just so I'm clear, so you're, you're, you're flying particularly to trigger their like defense mechanism. So that way it starts to emit. I mean, it's a little crazy. So, so you're like a crazy guy. It's kind of like uh, seems a little nuts. Yep. Is that correct? Okay. <laughs> it,
1: it totally is. Uh, so it's, it's called the wild weasel mission. Uh, the F one Oh five, then the F four right. got it uh, a long time ago. And the first guy who got briefed of the plan, So they said, hey, you're just going to go fly in, stimulate the IADS, the integrated air defense system, get them to turn on, effectively be a juicy target to shoot at, and then defend yourself and shoot back after. Uh, And the guy said, you got to be shitting me. So uh, wild weasels, they wear patches on their uh, shoulder. I don't know if you've worked with any uh, any, uh, fighter pilots, but they have a little pencil patch. uh, And it says YGBSM because that's what it stands for. Uh, and that's the wild weasel mission. It's, there's more technology nowadays, uh, that makes it more survivable. You know, back then it was literally, Hey, start, start dancing around in the jet. Hopefully the missile misses you, uh, and then shoot back. So nowadays we have a ton of technology that can help us get them to radiate, find them either via satellites or something like this to now find the enemy locations. Uh, and it's not, four hours old. Hey, we saw this piece of equipment at this location. I'm 70 miles away flying at Mach 1, and I know exactly their location. It's going to be hard for them to get away. Uh, so I would, I would bet very much so, uh, that they would, they would want to be using it for something like that.
0: Yeah. That, uh, the, uh, that makes sense. One I mean, quite,
1: Oh, no,
0: sorry. Go on.
1: Oh, I was just going to ask the, uh, so the the question I think about, because again, there's always a tactic, there's a counter tactic. Now we're talking smoke, clouds, fire, like how does this optical sensor, uh, and obviously talking as much detail as you're comfortable with, but how does it handle all of those contested and degraded uh, ops?
0: So yeah, so the, um, I think the way to think about this is what we're trying to kind of achieve is... Uh, we're trying to recreate like human vision and human cognition. So it's like, you know, even, so if you go back to the town where you grew up and you're standing on the corner of main street, and even if it's white out, white out blizzard conditions, um, you could still, you still know where you are. Like uh, you could navigate based on the, the snow banks forming and you see, oh, okay, that's the pink mailbox. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like that's like enough. So, And I'm not saying like, you know, the algorithms are, I mean, are like that's like to work in like blizzard whiteouts, no conditions yet. But I think that's like the right kind of framework to think about it. That's what like deep neural networks are. They're trying to recreate that you're teaching them based off of existing data. Um, So you would, so if you, if a human can recognize it, then the computer vision algorithm should be able to recognize it. So even if it was foggy, but you saw enough stuff, yeah the vision algorithms would be able to do it if you're in a total whiteout blackout conditions it's not going it's like not going to work but there are you know there's kind of this 3D map there's there's multiple technologies at play here there's like this 3D map match technology then there's visual odometry which is kind of like um it's a more kind of crude method of visual navigation so let's say this is like the camera sensor and all of the pixels are like moving this way on the camera sensor, it means that you're going that way. So, you know, you could, uh, it's not that precise, but you could still get a sense of it until you get a highly confident 3D map match. And then it kind of like recalibrates the whole system to be like, oh, okay, you're actually over here now. Um, And then there's also SLAM, which is kind of like building a new 3D map as the system's going through the location um, and then there's also um, uh, we're using an IMU as well. So um, all these things together make a pretty good, and then obviously like if you have GS that use GPS, uh, you know, we kind of see it as a, it's yeah. like kind of a, a note, a note on the symphony of, you know, PNT technologies.
1: I love it. I think that's, I mean, that is, that's what we need. Like that is the stuff that, that gets me excited about doing the job and because it's, it's awesome. And that's, you know, like you said, I just imagine it cruising around. It's like, I'm not sure where I am, but I know generically. And then it finds one piece on the ground. And it's like, yep, I know exactly where I am again. And we're back in business. And you think, and if there's a swarm and they're all working together now, if one of them gets right now, they're all right. Uh, so I, I, I dig that a lot. Um, so how is, how is kind of the XR integrating into all of this? Like are people, beforehand just like you're talking about at the beginning of the episode hey we are integrating um or watching a um like a quadcopter fly the route of the camera are we now able to like see the swarm move through the space prior to the fight uh to assess our bill our view
0: yeah so yeah so um the you know i think from like a high philosophical level um the things that I think we're trying to build are like you know like we're trying to build elegant tools um you know your iPhone is like super elegant um you know the world is three dimensional, and seeing things on a two d map doesn't really cut it uh and I mean it has worked, but like there starts to be new things, new and very uh beneficial things you could do when you start to like see the world like you see it as a human being in three dimensions, it becomes more intuitive, you can work with it much quicker. Um, We I haven't really touched on this yet, but we're also building. We also have a customer in the Space Force where we're building AR VR tools to visualize the command and control satellite missions. And a satellite mission is like nothing but multi dimensions in space and time, and so it, it's essentially what you see in sci-fi movies of like somebody's looking at a hologram of the Earth and there's like spaceship trajectories. That's essential and like that's essentially what we're doing. And seeing so on a two D screen isn't really enough. Um, So that's not how humans are, you know, that's not the world in which we operate daily. So a lot of the user interfaces are overly complicated on a two-dimensional screen because the world in which the the 2D screens are trying to depict are 3D or oftentimes more than 3D. So there's just like a basic level of like, um, operator efficiency and uh uh intuitiveness that you kind of get a benefit from from an immersive an immersive environment um but that but on top of that i think one of the things that, like people kind of don't really get about ar augmented reality is that in order for ar to really work you kind of need like um it like pokemon people people remember pokemon go so the 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 way the way you get like a, a a holographic object to kind of like rest in a location and stay there is you need the camera system like my iPhone to like persist over space and time so that that uh, that pokemon go go thing could live in that space so it could like stay there stuck to the ground so multiple sensors could recognize oh, okay, the, the, that Pokemon Go ball is at the corner of this street. So you need kind of a mixture. So the augmented reality requires the computer vision to kind of make it work. So what we're doing with our visual positioning system is we're kind of building that foundational block where with camera sensors, we can recognize locations on the ground consistently and accurately. And then we could feed that data into a 3d holographic display to do all sorts of cool stuff flying drones, planning mission planning, um, projecting avatars of things going on in the real world and like you like you could do essentially turning the world into like a video game um, where you could do all sorts sorts of cool fun um, and important things um, does that kind of does that kind of answer your question a little bit?
1: it does and i think there's you know cuz there's a lot of people working in the ar xr space and every everybody i talk to kind of says hey we are right now the technology and the solutions today like are probably not going to be the end solution just cuz the technology is advancing so much but i think with the the computer uh like image and and being able to actually see things and and comprehend and process, especially when we're talking about like an ABMS or a swarm type capability. I think there's so much there because you think right now we are, specifically in the fighter world, we take two-dimensional stuff, we draw on a whiteboard or we watch TV screens of three-dimensional fights in 2D. And if we're now able to interact with our fights beforehand, it's going to better prepare us for the fight if we're able to debrief that fight in training better, it's going to make us better for tomorrow's fight. Uh, and I think that's the reality where with VR, XR, AR, all of the above, that has to be leveraged to make the training today better because we just don't, we don't have enough people. We don't have enough training. We don't have enough flying going on. So uh, yeah, I, know- I mean, yeah, the, oh, go ahead.
0: The training, as- yeah, the training aspect is big. Like if you can make an interface that's really easy, requires less training, then that's, I mean, that's, that's huge.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I know you got a hard out in a couple minutes. So, uh, Brian, I appreciate you taking the time. I had a great time. Hopefully we'll have you on in the future to hear more uh, awesome stuff. Cause it sounds like you're working on cool stuff. Uh, but thank you very much for being here.
0: My pleasure. Thank you. All right.
1: All right, uh, everybody, uh, if you want to contact us, info at KodiakShack.com. Reach out, tell us what we're doing well or what we're doing poorly. And then uh, check out our website, KodiakShack.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Brian. See you.
0: My pleasure. Take care. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app.